Welcome to episode one of the Epic Epoch podcast. I'm your host, Perry. If you're here live on Twitch chat, thank you so much for joining us. This will be going up on YouTube and Spotify as well. I need you to know, co-hosting our podcast is the man himself who needs no introduction. Dread from Epic Builds. I wanted the long, drown out hello. Listen, if you. (laughs) I just, I love watching YouTube videos of content creators on my stream. I love putting them at double speed. I love putting them at half speed. Just, just to find those gems out there. Like who, who sounds good when you slow them down that much? It's bullying. That's what I call it. It's, it's low key bullying. But listen, no, it's community building. It's community building, good. So this. (laughs) This is episode one of our inaugural podcast here. The intent of this podcast is to build up a build up the community. We'll be talking about the uh, the last epoch early access action RPG put out by 11th Hour Games. We'll be talking about game design decisions, talking about builds that we're playing in game, things going on in the community, highlighting things that we think need to be highlighted and just having the kind of conversations that we want to have. One of my favorite content creators out there says that if you uh, if you're going to make content, make the kind of content that you want to watch. And when I'm done streaming for the day, when I'm done making my own YouTube videos, Dread, I don't know about you. I just I want to watch content. I want to watch somebody else play this video game. I want to go. I want to go be the Twitch chatter watching somebody else play some stuff. So that's why we're here. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I've. uh very many nights where I'm like working on stuff at like 3 a.m. I have no one to watch, so it, it would be nice. <laughs> what what we really like to like to have is uh, maybe some extra like European streamers, maybe some 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 uh, Great Britain, some England, maybe some Germany streamers out there. Someone who's in a different time zone than me, just so I can fill out that those uh, those morning hours. Now that I have like a little baby who's screaming half the day. <laughs> I'm sure. All that right, helps. so we we have a lot to talk about. We got a nice little introduction here, but we uh we are at the at the very beginning. So we are about one week into the patch 085, which it didn't bring any new masteries, it didn't bring multiplayer, but it did bring a bunch of new content. So we have two new dungeons, and uh and then we also have a revamp of the arena, including Arena of Champions. So Dredd, I gotta ask you first, what what have you done with these things so far? What have I done with these things? Well, the first few days was spent just chain running arena of champions because that was the only guaranteed way of getting keys because of the bugs so i've done a fair my fair share of arena of champions then then when the you know the keys started dropping again i did my fair share of soul bastion as well of course because like it's easy to get into the soul bastion because you just do it and you just clear the thing and you're good to go it's not like jirlo where you need a unique to do it beforehand or like the of course, the arbor where like you need gold to do it. So the soul bastion's really nice in that regard. So we have keys dropping now, um, but before that, before before the key drop was fixed, like keys weren't dropping from bosses the way that they were supposed to. So for the first couple of days of this patch, people were having a hard time actually getting into the dungeons because they just didn't have access to them. Maybe one person had one key, and then everyone funneled into that person's stream just to see what the content looked like, at least visually speaking. So, uh, for me, I did one or two Arena of Champions at the very beginning. I, I pretty much focus my arena and the, on the weekend races. Like, I don't, I don't really do arena outside of that. But all of a sudden, if you're doing the Arena of Champions, you get some extra uh, rewards with it as well. I, I feel like it might be a good way of, like, during one of these weekend races, or, like, in a league start scenario, getting some early exalted items just in case you can, like, you know, get a nice helmet with some plus levels on it, get a nice weapon with some flat damage, something along those lines. What's your experience been in the Arena Champions? Uh, so Arena of Champions, it's very, very cool. I like everything around it. It's a little easier than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be significantly harder, but this is also coming from the person that's been playing Bleed Shield Rush all this time, so I'm not really... Uh, <laughs> A good person to ask about the difficulty of said uh, content but from my opinion and everything i've seen i think it's very close to where it should be i really like the concept of having end game that is not end end game but like close to it kind of like path of exile 
where you have like multiple layers of endgame where you go from like invitation farming to feared farming after a while after you get better gear and stuff. And Arena of Champions kinds of kind of like represents that where it's like the thing you play before you do the actual end game. And of course that's, you know, shown by the rewards that they drop. They're not the best rewards ever. They don't drop obviously, but it's easier than doing like a T4 dungeon most of the time. My biggest problem is is that's what I would want that content to be is the content you farm to get into the new content, but the problem is they don't drop keys enough in my opinion. Uh Overall, in my experience, I barely got keys because, you know, of course, you get the the choice to get a key every single round, like every four rounds, right? And it was it was good. It just wasn't consistent enough. And I think that that's the niche that that content could fill, not just giving you, like, random exalteds. It could also just be the place you farm for keys. Like, for instance, you want to farm the Soulfire uh, Bastion, but you don't have enough keys. Go do Arena of Champions, get a few rows of keys, and then go do Soulfire Bastion a little bit. Or, of course, you know, you could always go into Monolith and kill some bosses. I think Arena of Champions could be that content. It's just right now it is not that content, because obviously it doesn't drop enough keys to make that worthwhile. It's more of a kind of a side thing you can do currently. And one thing I really did not like about it is how it stopped the waves at 40, at Tier 4. In my opinion, and I don't know about you, but if you're doing, like, T4 content, it should be some of the hardest content in the game, in my opinion, because that's the whole point. Like, I think T3, like, T4, what it is right now for Arena of Champions should be T3, and then T4 should let you go to, like, higher waves and, of course, you know, get more rewards. Uh, You get more, you you know, rows of keys, and you can make the fight much more difficult, but, of course, much more rewarding. But of course, you know, it'd be difficult, so you'd have to actually be playing a good build and do well in it as well, which I think is what should be the case. It's just right now, it doesn't really fit that. Well, you know what's coming to mind for me right now? Have you played the game Hades? You spend any yeah, time? Yeah, I've played Hades. I- I've so there's Hades. there's a moment in, in Hades in the roguelike where you're like, you're, you're walking through the underworld and you come to like, I forget their names, but it's like, it's like Theseus and the bull or something like that. And you're fighting both these champions at the same time. Can can we have that? Can we have like like maybe instead of like with tier one, two, three, four, like give me give me tier five. Give me all three of these people at the same time. Give me the forge guard guy, the rogue. Oh yeah, this I could be into that. Okay, maybe maybe some guaranteed key drops there as well. Well, they've actually uh talked about that. They've said that they've been wanting to add like Uber bosses and stuff like that. And I think that would be a very good way of adding that in is having like a t5 of that because that's really all i'm asking is for harder content for more rewards like i like the arena of champions i would like to be able to farm arena of champions and feel like as though i'm progressing my character in some way and currently that's not the case uh but as like an end game like situated player but like when you're starting out arena of champions is great because it just free exalteds it helps you get keys for the other dungeons if you're trying to farm Soulfire ba- uh, Soulfire Bastion. It does a lot of random stuff. It's just, it's like too random. Like there's no quote unquote purpose. Yeah, to, it, it reminds sense. me, kind of kind of reminds me of conversations that we've had in the past where like wanting Arena to tie into the rest of the game more. And now we have Arena of Champions, which is cool, but it still doesn't quite tie into the rest of the game. So in the past, we've said like, hey, if you can do, you know, 300 waves in the arena, just set my corruption on all of my monoliths to 200. Just like bada bing, bada boom, right? It happens just like that. So having having the arena of champions fill the niche of allowing you to make marked progress towards something else in the end game, like giving you keys, like you were just saying, that seems like a great niche for it to fill. We just need to, you know, actually make it happen. Yeah, I think part of the problem with that as well is I think the current content for the Arena of Champions isn't rewarding enough for how much time you put into it. Because 40 waves in the arena takes forever if you've ever tried it, even with like good builds. Like, you know, of course, what Perry and I have been playing, we've been playing good builds. But it's like there is downtime in between waves and it does get tedious. And it's like, well, what's the point of doing this? If at the end, it's just going to poop out 
an arena key and like two exalteds, right? It it is kind of funny that arenas when you're doing the model of the fate, arenas like you'll have one wave spawn and then before you're finished with that wave, the next wave is going to keep spawning as well. So if you stand still and you just deal no damage and run away from enemies, more and more enemies are going to spawn and it's going to become like more of a pressure situation. But in the actual arena, that never that, that doesn't happen. You can be at wave 22 or like, I guess, 222 and you'll have two monsters alive. And if you slowly walk away from those two monsters, nothing else is going to spawn. They're just going to be like two monsters. Yeah, having having uh, more monsters spawn, having some more pressure, some more urgency to those situations would go a long way in making it feel like, you know, you're making progress and not just wasting your time. Yeah, I think what they could do is just... Right now, they have a really good system in terms of like being able to choose rewards and mods per wave or per 10 waves. And I think all they would need to do is just reiterate that process and make it so that instead of, oh, you just get increased damage and health, instead be like, when like random modifiers, like, oh, at the end, when the boss spawns, you add like, an extra pack or two of rare monsters or something like that to add a little bit of spice to the boss fight, but it would add something like, but each rare would drop a random arena key or something like that. Something just like just that. put in, put in a diamond matron. Sure. Increase, increase the, the difficulty, not just by turning up the, the percentage, but by adding different modifiers. Like for instance, you could be like, Oh, uh, the last arena, it's it like, there will be like balls that spawn, kind of like the, the Durla, I mean, yeah, like the Durla pools where they like spawn on top of you and make dot dot damage over time. Make make something like that, like arena hazards as well. They, they, there's plenty of ways they could go about this to make it a little bit more difficult. I I like those ideas. Kind of kind of reminds me of um, uh, of Lab from Path of Exile, where you yeah. can opt to make it harder, more difficult to get like extra keys at the end. So like maybe you have extra obstacles during the final Azaro fight in PoE. It You know, it actually also reminds me of just the environment damage that happens during Gargentus fight. It's like you have these cannons shooting at you and then they lock on and you have like half a second to walk away after they lock on. That, that'd be great. That would fit really well into that uh, little arena place. Kind of like a Colosseum, so, you know, kind of like, you know, Colosseum in ancient Rome, you know, they're just like, oh, yeah, we're just going to add like two extra lions because why not? It's fun, right? I, you know, I'm into like it. That. I'm into it. All right. So we've got <laughs> we've got so much to talk about. So we've got the arena of champions, which I, I haven't done too much, but I'm probably going to start doing it during this weekend tournament that's about to go on right now. Um, so how about how about we go to the next new dungeon that got implemented? So the first one was Julra. That was the uh, Temporal Sanctum, which all of a sudden I know the name of it because it's no longer Dungeon. It's Temporal Sanctum. So <laughs> Dungeon number two, the new one that's introduced is the Soulfire Bastion. And I guess if you haven't read the patch notes, if you haven't jumped in the game yet, this is the one where uh, you can swap your shield back and forth between necrotic damage and fire damage, where you either take no fire damage or you take no necrotic damage. And the monsters... I, at least from my impression of running like two or three of these things, it seems like the monsters really deal a lot of damage if you have the wrong shield on. And I like that a lot. What's your impression been of that? Yeah, they can definitely hit you very hard. I've noticed that as well. What I really like about the Soulfire Bastion overall is it's the only dungeon we have that you can go in and not have to have any prerequisites. Like for instance, let's be real. Let's be real honest here. How often are you actually going into the Lightless Arbor to go spend all your gold? You're gonna be waiting till you're at like two to three to four million gold, right? So it's like you have all these extra keys for Lightless Arbor that you're not gonna use because no one actually wants to run the actual dungeon because it doesn't give any rewards. The reward is the vault. So since it requires gold to get in there. There's no point in running it all the time. And of course, same thing with uh, the Temporal Dungeon. If you don't have the uniques or, you know, the LP to, you know, turn into unique like legendaries, then it's going to feel bad when you do it and be like, oh, yeah, that's it. But the Temporal Sanctum is a little bit less worse in that regard. I think Lightless Arbor is the worst in that regard. Well, and then, course, I, I, think, I think a big piece of this, but we can pause, is in the, uh, in the Temporal Sanctum with Julra, there are boss uniques that drop. Like, if you yeah. want a Vessel of Strife, if you want to do, like, a health regeneration ward thing, 
you got to go do that and you got to farm it over until you get the unique item. We don't have those unique items yet for the other two. Presumably, the unique items that are not yet added to the game, the ones like the chest piece that locks your health at your endurance threshold and can't go any higher, the quiver that doubles your shock chance, like those kinds of unique items, like we saw a glimpse of them and then they were taken off of the third party tools because they were deceiving people. But we, we know what those unique items are going to look like. Presumably, those are going to drop from the bosses. And then they'll become, like, another reason to farm these, even if you don't want to spend 2.5 million gold. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think, like, I like the Soulfire Bastion because it just feels like the kind of content you could just walk in, do it, and then get it. Like, for instance, whenever I see a Soulfire Bastion key, I'm like, oh, cool. I'd go do a Soulfire Bastion. And but then like when I drop like the lightless arbor, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna put throw that in my stash, and it's gonna waste there until I eventually get enough gold to do it, right? And that's kind of like what I, what what I like about it specifically, is that it's just the nature of just being able to do it when you want to, and not have to have prerequisites. I as a it's hardcore, all self-contained. it's okay. So so as as a hardcore player who doesn't really do tier four content too often. Because oftentimes there's not a reason for it, in my opinion. Uh, how How is Tier 4... I guess we'll stay with Soulfire Bastion right now. How is the Tier 4 rewards for Soulfire Bastion felt? Do they feel noticeably better than like Tier 2 or Tier 3? So the rewards, technically, if we're going to be technical, aren't technically better. Like just what he offers. Like he'll offer Exalted's with lp with like forging potential i think he'll offer more in general in t4 and i think get more em like embers but what i really like the difference between t1 to t4 because each each tier just as good as the other one it's just the doors are different the doors and their modifiers are different right the door modifiers. That's like my favorite part about the Soulfire Bastion is like, instead of just having like, oh, enemies drop exalted, whatever, it's more like, oh, instead, whenever you're gambling in the Soulfire Bastion, whenever you're gambling there, there's a chance, there's a percentage chance that when you gamble an exalted item, there's a chance that like the forging potential rolls at the high value right or there's a chance that the first unique that you gamble has lp on it or stuff like that that's how the rewards scale by having better doors like for instance in tier one you can have like oh there's a chance that an exalted item will have a tier one sealed modifier on it while t4 will have be like t5 sealed modifier it is the only place in the game currently that you can find t5 sealed modifiers now the soul uh, soul fire bastion which, which is, is really awesome cool. totally yeah. awesome by the way i like that a lot and that won't matter now because you know soul whatever everyone's on solo but like when trade comes and if it's actual trade that will matter a lot because that's your ticket your big ticket like your money ticket is like getting an exalted item with like a t5 sealed modifier that's good and then getting an exalted modifier that's also good Right, and like, on the right base and has, yeah. you know, some good modifiers on it. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, that's okay. like the problem right now with the Soulfire Bastion. I've seen a lot of people talk about, oh, I don't like the Soulfire Bastion because its rewards are bad. And it's partly because you need to be able to manipulate the doors. Like you need to choose the right modifiers for the doors, right? Because if you do it wrong, because what I like with the Soulfire Bastion is if you do it insanely wrong, with the doors choosing the wrong wrong doors and whatever and gambling the wrong way you'll 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 exit with nothing but if you do it right you'll end up having insane pieces of gear out of it so there's a little bit of skill in that regard as well which i really like okay uh so let's let's start transitioning over to the third dungeon in the game so we talked about like jewelry was the first one that was in the game previously with soulfire bash and then we touched briefly on the arena of champions so the other new piece of endgame content that was added is the Lightless Arbor, which has a pretty cool mechanic. You have this like little light that sits on your character, kind of feels like Delve League from Path of Exile. It confuses me constantly because in Delve League, you take increased damage when you are in the darkness. In the dark. But in, in Lightless Arbor, the monsters deal increased damage if they're in the dark. 
It's like it's it's like slightly different and it messes me up in the brain all the time. In any case, before we talk about like the mechanics of the boss and whatnot, I want to have this like nice smooth transition from the rewards of Soulfire Bastion into the rewards of the Lightless Arbor. Because the Lightless Arbor, we've seen people spend, you know, one, two, five, ten, twenty million gold trying to get like the biggest loot explosion possible. So for me, because I'm always comparing things like, okay, what happens at a tier one dungeon? What happens at a tier three or four dungeon? Is it worth doing tier four? That's always on my mind as a hardcore player. When I've done the Lightless Arbor on like tier two or tier three, the rewards seem absolutely insane for the uh, for the amount of difficulty that I've, you know, that I had to overcome in order to get there. Tier four, if you're doing the Lightless Arbor tier four, you can gamble a bunch of gold and you could get tier seven modifiers on your gear. So the tier seven modifiers on the exalted gear are locked behind tier four. But other than that, you can get some absolutely insane loot that just only has tier six by doing a tier two dungeon, which is like an incredibly low amount of risk for hardcore. I don't know. What's what's your experience been in Lightless Arbor? Uh, I actually haven't done Lightless Arbor much. I did it once. I did like tier four once with the Shield Rush build. I put in two million gold and I got like 16 Glyphs of Despair. So, so far it's been pretty good for me. But like, yeah, my, my thing with Lightless Arbor, I think, is the keys don't need to drop that much. <laughs> you don't end up doing the content enough for the keys to matter if that makes sense like hmm. you like i i would like the lightless arbor key to be rare so that like when you're saving up like you're just on the side you're like saving up gold you're like playing the game like normal and then bam a lightless arbor key shows up oh i've been saving all this gold time to go do it right now if a lightless arbor key you know shows up i'm just like oh I'll just throw it in my stash i'll never use it anyways mm-hmm. and I think I I don't like that. I don't know about you. I don't like that the Lightless Arbor is the dungeon that you just ignore until, oh, I have enough gold now. Let's go do it. Now, I would like the doors. So the the dungeon tiers, the one through four, I, I haven't done it as much, but I know the dungeon doors have like special modifiers on them. Like the first, like the first four. Do you mean the dungeon doors or do you mean like when you're choosing your loot in the, in the vault? Oh no. I mean like the, the actual doors, the doors themselves. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I wish that like you could spend like what Chris is saying. I wish you could spend extra keys instead of just gold. Like for instance, if I had like five keys, I could spend. So the way it would work is you can either spend, you know how like you have start out with a chest and you can add more chests? Maybe make the, like the value, like the amount, either gold to buy a chest for your room or like a key so that we can use all these excess keys that are just laying around that no one will ever use, right? Because I think they, I don't, I don't like that they drop so much but they're so useless because you only ever use one like what how many hours like how many hours do you think it's going to take in terms of end game grinding to go open like a dungeon with like two million gold at least right i mean two million gold is like for me maybe uh maybe like a week of play like yeah it's 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 definitely less than a week of play but maybe yeah. maybe for like a person who plays a little bit less than me but like still you know if you have but one if you character, compare that to temporal dungeon though temporal yeah. dungeons fine because the exalted drops and of course her uniques are good and of course i think if they were to balance this without fixing the key drop rate and all that they would have to make the lightless arbor uniques rare but very very powerful like that chest it gives you like 40 regen per second and all that i really do think that in combination with uh the the relic is going to be very strong but that's that's the problem though is like the uniques are gonna have to be very strong and very rare and from what we've seen like yeah they're they're pretty strong but they're they're not strong enough to like merit farming the dungeon so much sure. to like get it right this this is so we, we talked about like the rewards for the lightless arbor can we talk about the boss of lightless arbor <laughs> it's, it's, it's a pretty pretty notable boss right it's like I, I think it's the first thing in the game that you don't you can't one shot it it doesn't take damage <laughs> You well, need you to can't spend at least the first phase, anyways. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you need to spend at least 
you know, X amount of time, you know, engaging with the boss mechanic, using the light to avoid stuff, to not take damage, to not die by accident when you're playing in hardcore. Uh, but, <laughs> like, you need to actually engage with it. You can't just have enough damage and kill the thing. So what, what's been your experience on the uh, on the tier four boss? It's it's kind of spooky to me, honestly. I like the mechanics of the T4 boss. The only thing that I do not like about the T4 boss is it has the it has entangling roots. If you don't know, entangling roots is a fizz damage over time. Super and, hard to mitigate. <laughs> yep, and it is one of the hardest things to mitigate in the entire game. Because it is literally one of the hardest things to mitigate in the entire game. Because at least with the void pools from Jurla, at least you could run like a ravenous void, right? <laughs> you know, like you could try. But like with that, with fizz damage over time, I think the Lightless Arbor, if it's ever going to be farmed for some reason, like if the uniques are good or something, you're going to be gravitating towards builds like Judgment or regen builds that have a lot of sustain that don't require you to hit things. Because I realized when I was playing the Shield Rush build and a lot of other builds, it's like, oh, yeah, I can't hit things to leech back because there's nothing to leech back. Right. And I'm dying because the entangling roots. And it's like, oh, yeah, this, is, this sucks. I'm like, okay, this is going to have to take a completely different build to do it. And thank God that, like, the content isn't really, like, required to, you know, play the game because otherwise you'd have to play that kind of build for this kind of content. <laughs> it's 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 interesting it's, I like it's definitely a rough place to be yeah i like it i i love it and i think that the the reward and the boss scales appropriately like i think i like the idea of the boss being like that it's just like i said it's everything around it in terms of the gold stuff like i think that the dungeon itself going up to the boss should be like I don't know, some kind of gold farm. Not like an insane amount, right? Like, it shouldn't be insane and, like, ridiculous. But I think you should be able to farm gold in the dungeon. And, like, in the depths. Like, whenever yeah, you kill one of those yeah. amber elementals, you get, like, a big chunk of gold, stuff like that. Like so, they're, like, they're made out reason... of amber. Amber is kind of like gold, too, sure. Yeah. What, what that would do, it would make the Lightless Arbor, like, a bit more self-contained, which is yeah. not necessarily a good thing, but it, that is what it would do. So right now, yeah. with Julra in the Temporal Sanctum, whenever she drops a unique item, she always drops a corresponding unique or uh, exalted item as well. So we don't really have a good way of farming, I guess, before the Soulfire Bastion, one patch ago. We didn't really have a good way of farming exalted gloves. So if you wanted to farm exalted gloves, what you'd do is you would farm like tier two, tier, th uh, tier three? You'd farm tier three Julra, and then whenever she drops her gloves, she would drop you one pair of exalted gloves to go along with it. And that's how you would farm your exalted gloves. So it's it's kind of self-contained in that way. Yeah, having having the uh, the lightless arbor, the two zones leading up to the boss, be a gold farm, I'm kind of into it. I think I think that's a fine idea. It doesn't have to be like a million gold every time. It could be literally like 50,000 gold every time or in like T3 in like, I don't know, like... Or like, you know, 100,000 gold in T4. Something not crazy, right? And you have to like do the dungeon. You have to like use the modifiers on the doors to make it more difficult and stuff like that. I think that would be fine. And it would give it more of a purpose. Also as well, it will also help you in general in filling out your stash tabs. Because mm -hmm. there would be a way of like getting more stash tabs. So it's like there, there are ways like, yeah, you could... You could get a, you could get a decent amount of gold, and that'd be fine. Obviously, you can't go overboard. I or like, like I said earlier, being able to use dungeon keys as well. Yeah, yeah. Even if you don't want to kill the boss, because you can just farm gold in the first two zones. One of the things that I like that like so last last bucks on this track where if you want to farm something, go do this. Like you could just farm generally and hope that something drops for you. But if you want to farm a, you know, a unique item, you should go to this monolith and you should farm the the monolith specific set unique glove node and then you'll get ravenous void or something or salt the wound and if you want to farm exalted items you should go to temporal sanctum because temp uh, exalted items drop all the time there if you want to farm sealed items go to Soulfire bastion if you want to farm x y or z you go to this place right so i i like the idea that you know monoliths are kind of this generalist thing and if you want unique items maybe you go to the Soulfire bastion if you want gold you could farm the monolith of fate or you could farm you know, gold specifically in the Lightless Arbor. I think I think there's room for that. 
in in last epoch to have like a gold specific place to farm over there i don't mind that i don't mind that idea at all i like it yeah or they could you know make t4 arena champions you know maybe drop gold as rewards too that would be cool that would be fun <laughs> now, now, you know, now actually, you're just crazy talking Wait, no, that makes crazy, sense, though. though. Wait, no, that makes sense. You're in a Coliseum and you win, you get a bunch of gold as your payment. Well, who's going to eh? pay you? The eh? Wingari? The goat people? They're going to throw oh, money no, at you? No, what they had. No, oh. what, what the the champion had. It's their <laughs> store, not not yours. Like, their horde. I don't know. All right, so... I, I'm throwing stuff at the wall. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I like it. I like it. Um, I, I, I want to move on to the next topic, but I'm, I'm going to revisit something real quick. So we talked about... Um, because I, I briefly mentioned in the Soul Fire Bastion that when you don't have your fire shield up, the monsters in the Soul Fire Bastion deal a ton of fire damage. And like, you can swap back and forth and you can literally take no damage. It, it's worth noting that uh, the developers did say that the reason that Julra is so punishing in the Temporal Sanctum is, quote unquote, you know, she is designed in such a way that players can literally take no damage by swapping back and forth. In reality, that's kind of rough because every time you swap back and forth, she chases you and you get void pools and it becomes kind of a kind of a cluster really, really quickly. Oh, but they also this... did fix that bug, too, where like you could swap over b b before she. Could yeah, put a they, they said that's a bug, but it still hasn't been fixed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if in... someone's going to be like, oh, actually, you could do this instead. I'm like, oh, yeah, thank so. you. Thank you for pointing that out. So in in the uh, Soulfire Bastion, you could literally take no damage by swapping back and forth. But I was I was worried when they first told us about the mechanic that you would just leave it in, you know, like like maybe you'd leave it in the necrotic shield. So you take no uh, no necrotic damage and then you just like wear prism wraps or like you wear prismatic gaze. These things that say like, you know, less elemental damage taken, less elemental damage taken. I don't think that's a good idea. Those monsters hit so hard and they make you engage with the mechanic, which is great. It makes you play the game and the game is good. And I like that. The uh, the lightless arbor, it's the same way. When the monsters are in the darkness, and then they like you know they deal extra damage when they're in the darkness, it sucks. They deal a ton of damage in the darkness, and it makes you want to engage with the mechanic more. I figured it out. Make it so that the more amber you end the 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 floor with, you get gold. So like for instance, if you end the T4 one with like a hundred amber or whatever, you get like a thousand, you get like 10,000 gold or whatever. Uh, it's proportionate to how much amber you keep so that you're benefited for keeping your amber full for being at the end. And then you get like, oh, I don't know, like 20,000 gold per run. I don't know. It's like something like that. Sure. I don't mind that at all. One yeah. thing that's really goofy. And I, I feel like it's one of those moments that a new player needs to figure out. You're so used to like, like in Path of Exile, for example, you pick up your blue items and you vendor them for transmutation shards. You pick up your unique items and you vendor them for alchemy shards. And like that's kind of how you get started at the beginning of a league or in SSF or something. In Last Epoch, it is useless to vendor items. <laughs> that, like, like, oh, here's my here's my staff that vendors for five gold. Like, just toss it on the ground. It's not even worth your time. Yeah. It, so, it yeah, having having a new way to get gold, having like a more specific way of getting gold. I don't I don't mind that. We should say Technically, there was a buff this patch. Uh, some people have anecdotal evidence that it is working. Some people are pushing much more corruption and, and it like is, is not working. And some people are much higher corruption is working. So technically, in patch 085 and last epoch, if you're pushing beyond 140 corruption, which is, is pretty early on in your empowered pushes, you will be getting more gold every time that you visit those gold nodes. So slightly less beforehand. At 140, you should be getting more. Uh, and then I've heard people who are like, you know, 400 or 500 corruption, and they really feel like they're getting a lot of gold out of those gold nodes. So that's before, nice. Oh, before this patch, you were getting like 10k per gold node, and it did not care what corruption you were. As long as you were an empowered monolith, it did not care. Now I'm curious, I'm doing it right now, I'm going in game, and I'm going to go do one of those gold nodes, and we'll get back to that. <laughs> sure. All right, you got it. Um... Let's uh let's let's talk about something that uh that, that I guess we've kind of mentioned it a couple of times and and maybe if you're paying attention like uh on the audio or here in Twitch chat maybe you've heard us say this and we kind of breezed past it but I I really want to call it out um bleed shield rush 
is is not often a, a combination of words that you just blow on by and you're like yeah obviously bleed shield rush and this is the build i'm playing bleed shield rush this is, what, what, can we can we talk about bleed shield rush for a second so you and i i, I know you're running an echo real quick so i'm just going to talk for a moment uh <laughs> you and i uh had had some had some brainstorming going on so i i had someone pop into my twitch chat uh, I do a thing where people can redeem channel points in order to encourage me to play a build. And somebody wanted me to play Frostbite Shield Rush, like a ward-based thing with Frostbite Shackles and ward retention. And it's like, okay, so uh, we had to think about this. And I, I talked with a person in chat. And it's like, okay, well, does this have to be a Frostbite build? Could we do this as like Bleed or Ignite? Because those have a little bit more support when you're playing a Sentinel build. So uh, we got the Morditus' Reach out of the build we got the frostbite cycles out of the build and we started thinking about okay what if okay so we have to sacrifice life to use shield rush with no cooldown so if we're sacrificing life we want a bunch of leech all the more multipliers in shield rush are generic more multipliers the non-hit based which means we can do an ailment maybe we can do like bleed or something bleed gives us valdir's chalice very poorly by the way valdir's <laughs> chalice has uh, a ton of sustain built into it so, so we started brainstorming, like, what would a Bleed Shield Rush character look like? And it turns out, it slaps. It is so much fun to play. It I is, know, I think, go ahead. in my two years of playing, it has to be one of the most fun builds I've ever played. Yeah, like, it, it's, it does good damage, you know, it does 300,000 damage with some gear. If you want to meme it up, you can go higher than that. But, like... For, for reference, when you talk about ailment builds, you really want your ailment builds to be like 200k. If your ailment build, if your bleed build, or your ignite build is only hitting like 150k, that's a little bit underpowered. 200 is a nice sweet spot. Like more than 200 is like, well, I mean, that's awesome. It's a lot of damage. Poison obviously is not part of this conversation because poison damage on the dummy inflates itself. So poison you want your numbers to be much higher. But for a non-stacking ailment like that, it's a good place to be. So 300k damage bleed shield rush whether using a shield or using a two-hander as a forge guard it's uh it's extremely satisfying to play it feels like it feels like a pinball wizard just like jumping all over the place what nick said is correct as well nick said bleed shield rush is the fast track road to carpal tunnel and i can yeah i, I had to take a break from the build because of that it, it's a lot of clicking <laughs> optimal play requires a lot of clicking I think I think Bleed Shield Rush would be a crazy popular build if the mana refund mechanic worked <laughs> every single time. It it works most of the time, but if you're not careful, sometimes it doesn't work. And sometimes you gotta like hold your mouse right on top of your character and click right there really fast in order to make it actually work. If the mana refund mechanic were flawless, I think that would be like one of the most popular builds in the game. It is crazy fun to play. It also strikes me as like one of those iconic builds, right? Like even if you're not playing Path of Earth, <laughs> even if you're not playing Last Epoch, you probably know like, oh, like the Poison Lich build. Like that's that's one of those iconic builds. Everyone knows what that looks like. Or you know what, you know, EQ Werebear looks like. It's very visually impressive. Lots of explosions. You might know what Bow Mage looks like because it's kind of this cast on crit icicle thing. And it reminds you of Path of Exile, right? So these iconic builds, like... You're going to know what these are, even if you don't play Last E5, because you've seen a video, you've seen somebody else playing it, you've heard somebody talking about it. And like Bleed Shield Rush is really close to being one of those iconic builds. It's hilarious. I mean, I think you could go Crit Shield Rush too and be just as fine, if not better I, in some situations. I want to do it. I'm I'm kind of into it. I don't, I don't know what kind of weapon I would use, but I'm... <sighs> the fact that I died acting like an idiot in hardcore on my Bleed Shield Rush character... Honestly, I was playing a Forge Guard, and it's like, yeah, you know, the Forge Guard version, like, it's it's fine, but I'd really rather play it as a Paladin. I, I'm i into it. I, I would I would willingly do that again. Wait, what? what what'd you say? You mean, you mean this clip that I just posted in chat? Would you stop talking about how much I died? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to record a clip. I was like, we're going to use, we're going to use, uh, what's it called? Um rebuke and we're gonna tank this damage and then we're not gonna get hit in the dead it's like oh entangling roots oh mechanics oh, happen. That's oh physical damage over time oh i'm standing in darkness oh yeah. shit 
I, I like the boss fight. I think it's a really good good design boss fight. Like other people don't like it, and I'm like, I think the only reason other people don't like it is because it's really dark in there. <laughs> you can't see what's going on. Like you don't see the little wave of entangling roots kill you. You know. Well, so fun fact: if if you die to it, then the text shows up on the screen and says you died to entangling roots. So like, so big brain play right there. Hardcore strategy over here. Ah, sure. I don't know. Like, during the Lightless Arbor boss fight, are you supposed to put your light on the boss so that the boss deals less damage? Is that a thing? No. So the way it works is you need to be in the light. If you're in the light, you will take less damage from the boss. That's not what it says, though. It says says enemies that are highlighted deal less damage. That was... That was, from my case, I was able to tank it pretty easily when you, like, actually have the light on you in T4. Yeah, you kind of just stand, yeah, you kind of just do what the lizard's saying. You, you kind of just stand still. Okay, I'm going to have to lo- go jump back in there and soft forward, make sure that I know, like, the solid way of doing this. Like you said, the only problem I ever had with dealing with T4 is just the stupid entangling roots. Because, <laughs> like, if you're playing the wrong build, though, it can actually kill you. Because if you're playing, like, a Titan Heart builder or something, it's going to kill you. Like, but no yeah, regen, what Lizard says, there bad. are some blind spots. Okay. So we're going to have to do something like that. I'm going down my list of, uh, of our conversation oh, pieces here. let's talk here. about Ravenous Void. Let's, let's talk about Ravenous Void. I wanted to make sure that like, okay, so we got, we got our week one podcast here. We've been playing with a new patch for about seven days now and we've had not, not drama per se, but we've had some things that have like, you know, got nerfed and then got unnerfed or the key drop rate was kind of funky and then, you know, it got changed or like this happened and then it got changed within like two or three days. So Ravenous Void is one of those things. You want to walk us through it? So Ravenous Void used to just be one of if not the best item in the game currently it was our mage blood or our headhunter it was literally the best item in the game and the devs didn't really like how it was being utilized because it's literally just slap it on and you get all that dr but the problem is it's supposed to be that chase item it's supposed to be that strong right now when they nerfed it and they changed it i think they still thought it would be like that they thought that turning your fizz to void would still be strong like they thought that the new ravenous voids would still be strong like that's the second version because now we have so many versions of it now but obviously after you know us looking at it no it, it was not very good at all and i really like the way they went about this new new version of it where it just turns off your leech i i like that i think that's a cool downside so the first Ravenous Void was 25% damage reduction. Just like it gave you a vitality, percent health, and 25% flat damage reduction across the board. It was like ludicrously strong item with like pretty much no downside to it. Technically, if you went under your endurance threshold, you'd have to back off for a couple seconds, but that's what it was. So for a couple days at the beginning of patch 085, there was like this, this big nerf. And the most contentious issue about this <clears throat> was that Ravenous Void is a supported unique item from Quiet for Me, same person who made Legacy of the Quiet Forest, and they hadn't communicated with Quiet. So Quiet's idea was like, hey, Ravenous Void should be this Omega strong chase item in the game. And all of a sudden, without communicating to him, they just like changed it drastically. So it wasn't a useless item. It just had significantly fewer uses to it. Honestly, I, I want to tell you, I was kind of excited to use the nerf Ravenous Void. It had like 75% fizz damage taken as void damage and then like less void damage. It was kind of it was kind of like void mitigation and fizz mitigation, except it just wasn't necrotic, fire, cold, everything else across the board, right? So my idea was to use it along with like an Ashen Crown for a ton of physical mitigation because then you have fizz taking as fire, fizz taking as void. You could also use it with like Ravenous Void plus a Grimoire because Grimoire would give you less physical damage taken, less void damage taken. So it kind of doubles down on making you tanky when you click your potion. I thought that was kind of cool. It's significantly more niche, but I don't know. This is kind of neat. I'd still use it. So after those couple days were up, um, I asked asked Quiet and I see Quiet is uh, is in Twitch chat right now as well. So I, I hope he doesn't mind me telling the story on his behalf. But apparently Quiet reached out. There's some community members who wanted to make this known. 
and after Quiet was working with the developers, they reestablished Ravenous Void to what it is right now. So it doesn't have the um, the same kind of you know void physical mitigation, void taking this fizz. It used to be like 75 or 85, something like that, but now it's back to like 10% or so. So the current state of Ravenous Void is it's back to being just this generically very strong item. It has vitality, it has percent health, it's an insane pair of gloves, and then it has like 15% generic damage mitigation across the board. Instead so of 25%, not, not 25 like the first version. Yeah, so it's it's down to 15%. It's still an insane item, but I guess I guess I don't really want to use it with a grimoire. Don't really want to use it with an ashen crown. Not for any particular reason. I mean, I would, but it doesn't have that spicy synergy anymore. So, it's interesting. It's interesting to see like they made this change without talking to the community member whose unique item this was, and then there was some community pushback, and these things happen. So, what I will say is I like that we still have this incredibly chase item in the game because I like chase items too. I. Uh, I'm surprised that they made the change without talking to the community member whose item it was. But I, I like that it had a good resolution to it. I like yeah, that they, they still very had... quickly made it right as soon as yeah, it was yeah. a problem that was brought up to them. And that's actually something EHG has been very good at is like whenever there is a problem brought up to them. Sure, they might not always see the problem, but when they when the problem is brought up to them, they fix it. Like, for instance, Gaspar's insight. <laughs> we brought it up to them like, oh, fix next patch. Oh, like, you know, like, Erasing Strike is literally erasing Jirla's loot when she dies. Oh, <laughs> she no longer fixed. drops she, items. Yeah, she <laughs> it was fixed next patch. Well, it was literally erasing the loot. <laughs> but yeah, like, they've been very good on that regard in terms mm -hmm. of communication and stuff. Like, when they do make a mistake, they are very quick to fix it when it is pointed out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I think in, like, what Quiet is saying, sometimes it is even better sometimes because the 30 percent like the when it doubles and stuff and i think the downside of the gloves and the upside are much closer together to the point where it makes sense i do understand why the old version was nerfed because it was just op for it the sake so of being OP. <laughs> so yeah it was literally just op for the sake of it being <laughs> op and it's like don't get me wrong that's a cool idea but this like there needs to be some kind of balance in the game. And the new gloves very well mimic that ideology. The the new gloves, when you drop below your endurance threshold, you know, the, the damage mitigation doubles for a second. And then it turns on something called like Mimic Feast and it disables your ability to leech health, which is awesome. Now but, it can just be cleansed. and But you can just cleanse it. You can just use a, a cleanse belt. That's a different problem with the uh, cleanse belt. The cleanse belt shouldn't exist, in, in my opinion. Uh, it's like, it well... invalidates you know, I, I, all the other uses of cleanse in the game. <laughs> You're you're gonna have to do you're gonna have to do the very uh, the very strange like like not programmed. In your, so when you go on low health, chat, make sure that you use a potion. <laughs> I know you weren't going to anyways, but now 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 you should use a potion. It's very important because you got to no. cleanse the stupid no. Well, we're, we're talking about well we're, what we're talking about. Quiet is we're talking about how like cleanse belt pretty much invalidates every other form of cleanse like on Warcry, on holy aura all of these ways like for instance if cleanse belt didn't exist be like oh ravenous void oh sometimes my leech will turn off and i need to cleanse it well how about i play like a primalist with Warcry with with you know cleanse on it bam you can use ravenous void on all primalists like that or maybe but maybe you can spec smite in order to constantly heal you every time that it pops off yeah i I love playing like a smite build that has some extra points available that can make that can make smite cleanse you. Like, constantly being cleansed feels so so good. Like you never worry about armor shred, never worry about like being being ailment immune is incredibly strong in last epoch. And that's just a topic for another day, cleanse belt. <laughs> I've already I've already got my list of topics backed up. Don't worry about it. So we can talk about one more thing because so this this is Friday. We have the uh, the weekend race that Vision GL hosts, which I I love talking about because I just think he does such a good job hosting these weekend races. Uh, there are a, a, a couple things that are kind of standing <laughs> out as exceptionally strong in this new patch. So I my last topic for this podcast was standout builds that people should know about for 085. Like what's what's the new stuff 
that people in the community are messing around with. So there, there's two things that I wrote down. Do, do, do you want to guess the first one? The Storm second strike. one is really obvious. Go ahead. Swarm strike, obviously. Swarm strike's Swarm one of them. But the other one that I wrote down was the dragon songbow. Oh, yeah. So people people are using the dragon songbow. I so the dragon songbow it has this uh it has this incredibly strong proc with 900% effectiveness of added damage, a better proc rate than the icicle from the reign of winter bow. I I think I think that the people who are using the dragon songbow in the decoy bomber cinder strike blasting agent build I think those people are doing it right. I think that build is incredibly strong. But trying to build around the Dragon Song proc <laughs> and having the proc be your primary source of damage, I I think that's a mistake. I've heard See, a lot of people are underwhelmed problem, about that. Perry. I haven't even gotten that far because the game lacks too much when I am procking it. That's because you're procking <laughs> it too much. Have you considered proc-ing playing a worse? No, no, play play a worse build. Oh, I, I think I think you'll have a better time. <laughs> Oh, I'm just not supposed to play uh, play it oh. that way, huh? That so the it? Dragon Song bow is like it's one of the like new spicy things people are working on. Uh, so the second thing, let's let's spend a couple minutes talking about this because it's the first thing that you rolled your eyes about, and I might be playing this build this weekend for the tournament. So the second build is Swarm Strike. Can can you walk us through Swarm Strike real quick? What what changed with this All thing? All right. So back in the day. Uh, Locust Swarm, the ability that is procced by Swarm Strike when you consume some locusts, it used to only give you 12 Fizz, 12 Poison Flat, and then increased area per locust consumed. And it had a 4 second duration, and you could make it 8 seconds with the tree with a bunch of points, and Swarm Blade sucks with points because it's point starved. And of course, extra 4 on Werebear. You could play it before, and as strong as it is now, you could have played it back in the day. What was added was now you get 12% increased duration per locust consumed. And I think that was a mistake. And I feel like as though I'm partly, like, at fault for this, because whenever I would talk about locusts, like the locusts themselves, I'd always talk about their duration being bad. And I think they misread that as the Locust Swarm's duration being bad. And now we have this monstrosity that has like a 15 second duration on a proc that does not require a weapon whatsoever to deal damage. And it is just one of the most disgusting things ever. I think Amarathi was doing the math. You're getting close to over like 400 plus flat just from your Locusts alone. I, I, think, I is, think it's like 800, but go ahead. Or, it's, it's I think it's a lot. It's <laughs> absolutely disgusting. I played the very kosher version, the version you were probably supposed to play with this. But obviously, you know, as the community likes to break things, we found, well, we have all found the way to break it. And you just simply summon your locusts, you summon like with, you know, your your totems, and then you smack them, and then you get like twice as many locusts, you get like 50 plus locusts, you consume them all. And then you have this gigantic AoE that deals damage over time, doesn't care about dodge, doesn't care about crit. It leeches back because for some reason it counts as a melee skill instead of a spell, which makes no sense whatsoever, but we'll, we'll, we'll ignore that for now. And it uses melee damage, leeches life. And it is just a better, like, it's like as if you have a bleeding heart without having a bleeding heart because... Primalist has melee leech percentage globally, not on hits, but globally, on his tree. And then you combine that with the 20% plus on a two-hander you can get. 20% melee damage leeches life, because guess what? You don't need a good weapon, you just need something to leech on it. And you have close to like 40% damage leech from this gigantic AoE that has an insane amount of flat. Now, the, the point why it is built this way is all of this flat is supposed to make up for the fact that you do not have more damage multipliers in the Swarm Blade tree. It is the main reason why that's the case. The problem is, with that duration, it went a little bit overkill. Because you can, since it since the duration scales with how many locusts you get, like for instance, if you consume 50 locusts, right, that's like, 
close to 600% increased duration. So you go from four second duration to a 24 second duration, which is like ridiculous, obviously, right? Like you get to like spend the whole monolith with this gigantic AOE on you. And I think obviously it's going to get nerfed. I just don't know how. And I hope when they nerf it, they don't nerf the duration part because I love the duration part. It's the damage part that's obviously the dumb part. Like being able some to kind of cap it. on how much duration or how much added yeah. damage or how much percent damage or a cap somewhere would do a lot to rein yeah. this build in. Well, I like the bleed one. The bleed one's cool because it requires you to like set up stuff. The bleed one where like you get increased damage per bleed you consume. But the locust one is the problem. It's just like you just get so much from each so, locust. So in my experience, kind of messing around with this build the other day, seeing if I wanted to play this during a weekend tournament, it was about like. 800 flat damage it's like a 2500 percent increase damage and then the duration is like 45 seconds maybe a minute depending on what kind of cheese you're using in the build and the aoe is basically the entire screen you can swap into uh werebear form and it's your rampage get some extra movement speed running through the whole map and all of those numbers that i just told you that's without a weapon you do not need a weapon on this build. And that's 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 the part that really gets to me, right? Like, I want builds that require you to gear. This is an action RPG. We're farming loot. We're getting exalted items. We're getting legendary items. We should be excited to do this. Why do we have a build that requires nothing? No gear. Nothing. We don't, I, I don't want this. What makes this me mean. sad about it is, like... The whole point of this wasn't the fact that Locust Swarm was bad. Locust Swarm was fine before. It was the locusts themselves that are bad, and they are still bad, even Poor with the like the small buffs they gave them. Like I said, the, it was the duration of the locusts themselves that I had problems with. It wasn't the duration of Locust Swarm. Locust Swarm was fine. So that's why I was so confused when I saw the buffs. I'm like, that's not what we were talking about. Like when I made a video talking about locusts i meant locusts not the locust swarm and it, it kind of made me sad when i saw that because now what's going to happen is there's going to be some big nerf and it's going to involve the locusts themselves and now like because i'm sure ehe will nerf it so that you can't get to 50 locusts like people currently are and that's how they're going to nerf it and now that's just going to nerf regular locust builds it's not going to nerf the locust swarm build like it's gonna nerf it but like not enough to the point where it's dead but then locusts are going to be terrible because of that which, so which in, in ehg's defense we saw a nerf uh for the 085 patch for bastion of honor and like we've, we've been talking for a while but like the different ways they can nerf bastion of honor the nerf that they did for bastion was perfect they just took off the extra layer reduced damage taken from nearby enemies or less damage taken from nearby enemies and like that was a great nerf it still has the identity of the you know block effect scalings op for nearby enemies like it's still an incredibly strong shield they just took off the dumb extra damage reduction from it there there are plenty of ways that they could nerf this that wouldn't bring collateral damage to like a normal locust minion based build so i'm i'm a hopeful person i, I like yeah I, no i'm hopeful too i they've been doing really good in that regard it's just like i said this all came this whole thing this whole buff just came from us asking for locusts themselves getting buffed and then now locust swarm got buffed and it's just confusing well to be to be fair i i have been asking explicitly for broken ass builds that are just stupid op so that even Shame i can you, play Perry. them so Shame maybe maybe i'm to blame for this like i i've really been looking for just builds that require no grain power maybe maybe they spent too much time listening to me and like not enough time listening to you well i mean they nerfed uh they nerfed static orb <laughs> Because they didn't like the playstyle of, you know, the BV playstyle where you just run through monoliths like that. I'm curious how they feel about this. <laughs> it's literally the same thing. So, and so it's a valid point, told, valid point. Uh, wasn't there some talk on the grapevine about a uh, hammer throw getting nerfed too? Uh, yeah, I, I have heard that in the past. I, 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 don't, I don't think hammer throw is busted. Like, devotion is, is very either. strong. But, yeah. like, hammer throw by itself is, like... It's fine. It's it's fun. It's really enjoyable. It's it's more importantly, hammer throw and like hammer throw proccing smite is an iconic build. It is it's cool. It's visually impressive. It's distinctive. 
reminds you of cast on crit. It's kind of like a gateway drug into last epoch for a path of exile player. I think yeah. that build should be at least a borderline of, you know, X. Well, not to get off topic too much, but also to reiterate on the hammer throw thing. I was talking with an EHD dev, dev a long time ago. It was like a few months ago. And they were saying that they want to step away from cock builds, like, you know, cast on hit builds. But then they released something like Dragon Song, and then and it's like, I don't know. It, that was a confusing conversation. But, like, like, hammer throw isn't, like, OP. Like, you can't, like, arena isn't easy with it, you know? Like, it's not, like, OP in arena, at least. It, it has some other applications, like, you know, like the, you know, of course, the monolith pushing applications, all that. And I think Devotion, all they would have to do is just make it so it's scaled half for like procs of Smite and not just full value so that sure, you yeah. would want to self-cast with it. And I think that would make it much more like, you know, not not terrible, not enough to like kill the whole build, but also it would make it not as ridiculous of you as you've seen Re rewarding people for actually self-casting smite instead of just procking it any other way i think that's cool that's fine i'm into it yeah but yeah the swarm strike thing obviously this is not the playstyle that they want in the game so it's going to get changed it's just how is it going to get changed and is it going to make it so that the build isn't viable anymore is it going to kill the build or is it going to like leave it to the point where like it can actually still be played that's a very good question We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. I think yeah, with you... that. Oh wait, oh, go ahead. before you go, we can talk oh. about the Bastion nerfs real quick. Oh, okay. We talk about the Bastion nerfs. It's a short yeah. conversation. It was a good nerf. All right. Good night, everybody. All right. Good it was a perfect. I'm just, <laughs> just round oh, of ahead. applause for EHE. There, there, there are more nerfs that you could do if you wanted to. Like it's still very clearly an excellent shield. It still kind of bullies other shields out of the way because it is so strong. But, you know, like maybe maybe there's a, a build out there that doesn't want to use a Bastion. Maybe you want to use like a normal Iron Glass shield to get like a higher block value against distance enemies. So it's it's a it's a step in the, in the right direction. It, it's probably enough. Maybe you could do more. You could do something to change the block effect formula to make it so that you don't have quite so much damage reduction with a Bastion using just the Bastion and the uh and the blessing from hayrod maybe you could encourage people to build more block effect on their gloves and their two ring suffixes as well maybe you could buff those values and change the formula like there are other things you could do if you wanted to block or if you wanted to balance bastion in that way however the change they made in 085 bastion is still excellent it's less dumb than it used to be this was a great change for the game i love bastion now because bastion represents how it should have been in the first place. Sure, you can like get to 100% block chance on nearby enemies, right? But you also have to build into block effect now before you didn't even have to build into block effect before. Now you need to get the the blessing for it to be good. Cause like, let's just be real realistic here. Regular Bastion is good outside of Sentinel. Now, if you're a Sentinel and you just have regular Bastion, it is better to just use a shield, but now you can invest into that block effect and make it feel good. And mm -hmm. like, I think that should be the case. Like, I really like the way Bastion is now, where you have to invest into it to make it the best it's going to be. Before, you just slap it on and it's good to go. You Honestly, really one, of the, one of the things it. that I liked about Bastion really early on is like, if you don't know about block chance and block effect and how block effect is damage reduction and like how those values scale. Like, if you never looked up the chart of how those numbers look, when you put on a Bastion for the first time, you're like, oh, this is busted. And he's like, wait, <laughs> wait, block effect. And then you go look it up. It's like it's like this little sneaky way for the developers to say, hey, you can have maximum block chance, but that doesn't mean anything unless you have block effect to go along with it. So it's it's kind of like this, this OP item. It's iconic. People know what it is, but it also kind of teaches new players like, hey, block effect is this thing. Here's why it matters. Go look it up. And that, I love it. I think that's a great place to be. Yeah, and I, I like... Uh... The thing with Bastion, what I like about it as well, is now that it's much harder to get LP on it as well, a very well-geared Paladin or Forge Guard or whatever with a good shield could definitely outscale a Bastion in terms of defenses. Because if you if you haven't noticed, they have been introducing quickly a lot of ranged enemies that are... Uh, 
really dumb. So it's like the the way they're balancing Bastion is by and making better, other shields better than Bastion by just buffing ranged enemies and making them disgusting. Like you know, there's a lot of them now. So I've, that helps I've, too. I've I've been learning that in hardcore by just you know <laughs> killing all of my characters off to various ranged enemies every time that I put a Bastion on. So, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm with you on that as well. I like it. So I and think that's that's how it should be balanced around. The game the, should be balanced if, around. If this that. if this if this episode one is anything to indicate the future of the podcast, I'm gonna have so much fun cutting you off so that we don't go to the three hour mark with these conversations. <laughs> We're gonna I mean, try that's a, to that's keep it idea. around an hour. <laughs> if we end up going for like an hour and a half someday, that'll be fine. But I think I think for episode one, this will be where we cut it. Dread, thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad that we can have you as a co-host here on Epic Epoch. Of course, anytime. And then for you joining us here in Twitch Chat Live, you should know that we're also going to be putting these up on Spotify once we get those episodes done. These will be going up on YouTube as well. These will be found on Dread's YouTube channel, on Epic Builds, on a separate playlist, so you can all find them in the same place. Um, and I think I think that's going to be about it for the night. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. And then for all of us here at Epic Epoch, have a good night.